Hello, everyone. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast, where every week, Jeff Glover and his coaches will dive deep into questions that you are asking. They understand the challenges you are facing on a day-to-day basis and still work every day on the front lines of real estate, with Jeff and his team closing over a 1,000 homes per year. In today's episode, we continue with our top producing agent panels from the Live Unreal Summit. You will learn from these real estate leaders what it takes to build systems that produce consistent results and the power of being proactive about the things that move the needle. Now, let's hear from Jeff Glover. All right, let's jump in. Thank you, guys. All right, so we're going to go stage left to right. Uh, Do us a favor, just like yesterday, let's have some fun. Uh, Where you're from, how long, for obviously first and last name, where you're from, how long in the business, um, production numbers, whether it's personal production or team production, whatever you're comfortable sharing, volume, units, I don't care. Um, and also your zodiac sign. Everybody is always dying to know everyone's zodiac sign. It's like he's looking for a date, maybe. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, we have to do my, a compatibility calculator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My name is Matthew Miali. I run the Miali team out of Greater Hartford, Connecticut. Um, we are uh, the number one production team in the state. Uh, we're pacing to do about 600 sales this year. Last year we ended at 470. I started my team in 2010. Um, I'm a Gemini. All right. Yeah. Me too, my man. Yeah. When's your birthday? May 30th. May 30th. Okay. We're close. I'm June 6th. Oh, nice. Oh, All right. Let's hear it from, let's, let's, uh, let's hear it from Matt. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for being here. Okay. Next, Mary. I am Mary Llewellyn with the Hagerstown office in Maryland, and we service West Virginia and Pennsylvania, and also Virginia. Um, I've been licensed for 21 years. Um, we did 150 units last year, 98 was my personal number. Love that. Um, 35 GCI. 35 million, million in volume? In volume, yep, 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 yep. And I'm a Taurus. All right, the bowl, let's hear it for her. Nice production, solid numbers. All right. Hi everyone, Thanks, I am Taylor Kerrigan. I am the Director of Operations for Live on Real Companies, um, previously the Director of Operations for Jeff Glover and Associates. Uh, our team is obviously based out of Detroit, Michigan, and last year we sold just under a thousand units. That's right. All right, Taylor, thank you. By the way, she's the one running around behind the scenes putting this whole thing on. Spring. Taylor is the real deal. I've worked with her in the past. Um, my name is Spring Benson. I am from Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, our team last year did a little bit over 300 transactions for a hundred million. Um, and I'm an Aries. An Aries, fire and ice. All right, let's hear it. Turn 40 this this next week. So there you go. There we go. (laughs) Nice. All right, let's hear it for spring. Thank you. All the way from Utah. All right, Matt, we're going to start with you. Let's do it. Cool? Sure. So a couple things I've recognized about your business, aside from being massively productive in in your home state there, um, you guys have an incredible culture. And so... Uh, Matt and I got the pleasure to spend an entire day with your team doing one of those advances as we did. And uh, you could sense, you know, asking questions, writing notes. You know, a lot of these team advances that we do or broker advances, uh, you know, people have their Zoom screen on or people are in the audience, but they're just kind of like half in, half out. They're listening. They're physically there, but they're not mentally there. And your team was there. I mean, they were on it. So why, why do you think that is? It's it's an effort. I mean, we we the one it's one of the pillars of our business. So, a couple of years ago, I, I really defined what I thought it would take to build a highly productive business. And 
there were four things that I identified. The first was production. The second was profit. The third was culture. And the fourth was growth. And you needed to have all four of those to support a business that could grow and that everybody could achieve what they wanted to achieve inside of it. And so when we came up with that, one of the things that you start to ask is you, you drive people toward produce, produce, produce is, well, what does that mean for production? Mm -hmm. And for us, we landed on the culture of our team is production, period. And, and that is a, that's a saying, that's part of what we discuss, yeah. that's who we attract. Yeah. Uh, the reason is, and I, I, I use this analogy all the time that, Nobody's got good culture at a family picnic if they're broke. Right? Yeah. And our industry is unfortunately loaded with people oh that, that preach culture and, and scream about, um, you know, oh, we're all in it together and we love on each other, but half the team is not selling enough to pay their bills. They're all, they're so, all roommates with each yeah, other. Yeah, and I, I, just, I just, you know, there, there's, um, you know, there's a part of me that as much as I'm a driver, I am really fundamentally a big softy and I love everybody. And I, I ran the team long enough where I had enough people that weren't succeeding that I couldn't, I couldn't sleep at night. Like I was stressed about, out about other people and, and I just realized the only way for me to protect myself selfishly was to make sure that the people who came in really wanted to produce and really, really wanted it, like yep. willing to do what it took. So how do you create a culture that is production focused? Like why? Well, yeah, the first thing you do is you talk about it, right? So, so like that, that's the first thing you do is that you have to be very conscious of the fact that not everybody, some people that just heard me say that are like, oh, I don't want to be on that guy's team. That sounds intense, right? Yep. And that's totally okay. That's the first thing you have to do is you have to really identify that this is who we are. We're a group of people that want to succeed at a really high level. Mm -hmm. We all have a high level of integrity. And those are like cornerstones of who we are. But production has to be part of the conversation. We're a sales organization. So what we do every day is we communicate with people and we, we sell homes. We have to be in that business. We can't be in the business of just delivering flowers. It has to result in yeah. some sort of production. So we talk about it. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is you have very clear expectations of people and you, you stand by, and you hear this word so often in team building conversations around standards. Um, you have to have standards. That doesn't mean, and I think when I first heard that as I was building my team, it was terrifying. It was this idea of like, oh my God, there's some guy behind, you know, behind the scenes with a whip that's gonna like crack everybody over the head. Mm -hmm. That's not at all what standards are. Standards are just an accepted level of, of performance that everybody agrees to. It's just an agreement. And yeah. so I'm a big fan of simplifying that kind of thing. So we break that down on our team. It's two consultations per week and that's the standard. Yep. There are people that are sometimes above that standard. There are people that are sometimes mm -hmm. below it, but everybody agreed that's the standard. So people that are below it know they're below it. People that are above it know they're above it. Mm -hmm. But there's an agreement there, and that drives production. Yeah. Uh, does, it, does it help that you're setting an example? I mean, we, we've had some conversations about the value of setting an example. What do you, how do you believe that plays in? I imagine it matters that, that I, I'm still very much in production, and I... And I Several years ago, you know, the, the conversation around a lot of larger teams was like, get out of production, get out of production, get out of production. And I was always like, I don't, I would secretly like behind the, I don't know if I want to, I kind of like selling houses. Like I was always like, there was like a yeah. dark secret amongst, yeah. you know. High By the way, we were the few people in that probably same room that yeah. were like looked at as like, what are you guys doing still producing? Like, get out I, and have I, a good I time. I was like, number one, I, I like the, the process and, 
and I think it makes me better as a leader. And so I just said it. Like one day, I was like, I will never get out of production. I will always sell homes. I may never be the, I may not be the number one producer on the team because I have a lot of other things on my plate. But sure. I will always sell homes, and I'll always be in conversation with. Uh, with clients and customers, and I will lead that way. Yep. And so, yeah, I imagine that that example has an impact on the team. I think yeah. that they all see that, that I'm still putting deals together yep. and running the team and showing up for everything. It, it's, it's an and. How did you arrive at two consultations per week as the standard? I love that. I mean, it was, um, I, I started by asking the question of, well, in our market, how much money does somebody need to make in order to feel like they're really successful? Okay. And in every market, that number is different. By the in way. every market, that number is different. And for us, it's about seventy thousand net. Mm -hmm. Like after splits, yep. after it's about seventy thousand net. And I started with that number, and I said, well, if if I want to make sure that everybody on my team is making a minimum of seventy thousand dollars a year take home, yep. that our lowest level producer is living a great life. That's a yeah. good life. That's yep. not, mm -hmm. you know, that that's a really really good life. I, the the way you get there is you work forty eight weeks a year. Not 52, you yep. take four weeks off, yep. you work 48 weeks a year, and by average conversion rates, you have enough appointments, consultations, where 75% of the people you meet with hire you, yep. where 70% of the people that hire you go under deposit, yep. where 90% of the people that go under deposit actually close. close. Yep. At our average sales price, which is 250,000, give or take, yep. that, that nets you 70 grand. So, yeah. so that's, that was it, that's I our standard. That. We want people to yep. be living a good life. And I, here's what I know, if you're not doing two appointments a week, you're probably you're you're hurting somewhere you're else. Start in your questioning. Life. Yeah, and everything. you're hurting somewhere else. And so that that was it. Like I just figured that if I could unravel that and just rip the curtain off of it and say, yeah. here's what I know. If you're not doing two consultations, yeah. you're probably having trouble paying your bills somewhere else in your life. Yeah. Something else in your life yeah. is being compensated for. Yeah. And part of what I believe my team hired me to do is be the guide, be the leader through that. Help yeah. them to succeed at a level that they yeah. couldn't succeed with uh, without being part of the team. By the way, I would, I would recommend anybody in the audience, whether you're leading a team, an agent on a team, or a solo agent, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good model to follow, right? Just the two a week, you know, minimum. And it's now, uh, granted, this room probably wants to make more than $70,000 a year. So then, okay, so it's four a week or it's six a week or whatever. It's one a day, right? Totally. And we, we actually, we actually do. So I, I'm totally geeky about this. Like the, the, everybody on the team knows the two appointments a week. Like that is, that is doctrine. Practically, we, we might all get tattoos one day. I'm just kidding. But, uh, everybody just quit, by the way. I just got, no, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. Uh, but, but we actually, I actually took it one step further where we built models around it, where, you know, if you go back to, you know, when you were in college or you were in high school, like, what was a passing grade? Like, what was the standard? It was a C. And if you translate a C average into a GPA, what was it? It's a 2.0. Isn't it crazy that that just so happens to be two, right? Which means that, how do people feel about being a C student? Well, competitive people are like, no way, man, I'm better than C. I want to be a B or an A. It's like, well, a B just happens to be a 3.0. Yeah. So, so we actually track, literally, week over week, we run an average, and this is back to the culture of production. Yeah. Everybody's numbers are on a board. It's every week we see it. Are you at a two, are you at a three, are you a C student, a B student, or an A student? Yep. And we have some super competitive people, because that's who we attract, yep. and they all want to be A students. Sure, I love that. 
I mean, that, that, you know your numbers, that's for sure. So talk to me about, uh, I know that one thing in your business you do a really good job of, and that is adding value to the database, which we've been talking about that. You were at our conference last January where we spent three days on it. So I'm sure you were doing well before that and you were doing well after that, but what, what comes to mind when you hear adding value to a database? How do you guys add value for more repeat referral? I mean, this is, this is my wheelhouse, right? So, so I'm gonna tell you a story. Please. It won't take too long, I promise. But uh, in 2011, I had just really kind of hit a point where I was having a, a, a pretty, pretty good amount of success. It closed about 100 transactions. The team was pretty small. It was myself and admin. I think we had two buyer's agents at the time. Um, and I was starting to, you know, I wasn't, I, I still hadn't really mastered the profitability thing, right? So we were selling a lot, but we weren't really, really adhering to a P&L. Sure. And I was stressed out about how many people I had to talk to every day. I was super stressed out about the fact that and like I said, I'm a lover. I like people. I really like people. So I wanted to call all these people that I did deals with. I wanted to be excited. I wanted to have relationships with yeah, them. Yeah. And there just wasn't enough time in the day. Mm -hmm. So one night I was out at a bar, because sometimes I go to a bar, and I was out at a bar with a friend of mine. And um, he said, uh, you know, the thing that stinks about being at this bar, there were, it's a like local Irish pub and they had 86 different beers on tap. And if you're from the Northeast, you know that like IPAs and all that stuff are kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. And he's like, the thing that stinks about it is you just never can drink them all. And I was like, ding, like light bulb moment. I was like, I should do a beer tasting. Like that was my idea. And yeah. I, so I hosted what became the first event, which has been a signature event for our team since, since we hosted our first, except for this year was the first year we missed because of COVID, uh, an annual beer, beer and bourbon tasting. And yeah. I rented the entire bar out. And the first year I was petrified that more people were gonna come than I could pay for, right? So we invited like a little few people at a time yep. till we got to the max number. Um, in our last year, we had, I think, 350 people show up and we totally outgrew the bar. Um, but that was the model that I started to follow because as soon as I did that, that, the next day I got four referrals. So I was like, oh, wait a second, yeah. buy people a beer? they want to send you business. This is awesome. And by the way, I got to say hi to everybody and I got to drink beer with people. This is amazing. Like I totally- I'm in the right business. I was like, this is my wheelhouse. So, so fast forward eight, nine years, you know, we, in the last year, 2019, we did nine VIP client events, which include everything from uh, tailgate at a football game. We did UConn football. We you got about 500 people, food truck, events, you know, just and the whole idea behind these types of things is invite everybody mm -hmm. because not everybody's going to come, but it isn't about the event. It's about the conversation. Yep. So we did UConn football. We did uh, a Wolfpack hockey game, which is minor league hockey. We did a minor league baseball game. Um, and then we do a bunch of other things like delivery, pie delivery. Yeah. We, did a th we delivered a thousand pizzas this past April, which was just door-to-door -door pizza delivery for our sphere. And this is just what, when it comes to the question you asked, how do we deliver value? There's two parts of this that are super important. The first one is you're not calling your clients begging for business. You're calling your clients and saying, I care about you. I want to buy you a beer. I'm going to drop off a pizza. I want to give you a couple tickets to a hockey game. I care about you. And you're somebody that I'd like to see and I'd like to hang out with. That's the easiest conversation to have. Mm -hmm. And you never have to ask for business when you care about people. They, they, they know you care. They trust you. And when you show up credible and you've done a great job for them in the past or you've done a great job for someone they know, the business just starts to manifest. So that's the first value to the client. But then... The value to the agents on the team is that we're now giving the agents an anchor to call 
the people that they know that isn't all about selling all the time. And that's the thing that we all struggle with, right? Or some of us. We don't want to constantly be irritating all the people that we love right. by saying, hey, do you know anybody that wants to buy, sell, or invest in real estate? Because eventually they get like, oh, man, yeah. Matt's calling again. He's just always asking for something, always asking for something. So it's just how do we create, and the analogy I use is, how do we create a circus tent that's so fun to be inside that everybody wants in, and once they're in, they want to invite all their friends. Yeah. So that's the theory. Yep. And now you're, you're accomplishing two things. You're growing the size of the database, you're adding people to it, yep. and you're taking care of them. That's it. Awesome. That's Love it. it. Let's shift gears. Mary, let's hear a little bit about yourself. Talk, talk to us about um, your life as a real estate oh, agent yeah. and, and, okay. and life before real estate. And I've got a couple things to ask you about where your business comes from, too. So take it away. So um, it's unbelievable that I'm here on the stage. And I think last year I did make a comment to you. Was it in 2018? I'm going to be on the stage someday. Yep. But I'm nervous. So I am on the stage. This is my very first time ever, 21 years in real estate. And I'm so nervous. So I love Glover U because to me, I love the unreal life because this really does help me have an unreal life. And I have grown so much even since like Taylor is my, or Kate is my coach. Mm -hmm. I love Kate, Kate Simon. She's off having a baby right now. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but anyways, um, as a child, didn't have any indoor plumbing. Well, I had running water, but I didn't have a bathroom. <laughs> so I didn't get that until I was 16 years old, but um, I'm you saying had, all this. You had no... You, or didn't get a college, yeah. But so how do you how do you live when you don't have a bathroom? You take a bath at the kitchen sink and you use an outhouse. <laughs> That's what I did. Wow. Yeah. So I'm sure that is part of what drives you today. It is. I'm a driver. Yeah. Yep. I would imagine because you've got an insane amount of drive. Yeah. Right. So fast forward to now. Okay, or at least go through that process of, of getting into the business and, and where um, there. Yeah, so then when I had little kids, my, my children, I started cleaning homes for Oliver. But before that, I did sell Tupperware real estate. Mm -hmm. So I feel like God was always setting me up for sales because I started out doing Avon, Tupperware, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and long, uh, burger baskets. And then I started cleaning homes for Oliver for five years. My mom got sick and ill, had to quit and take care of her. Mm -hmm. And then the year she passed away, I saw a sign, get your real estate license. And that was back in 2000. Mm -hmm. And I said, I can do this. Yep. So. And um, 21 years later, yes, talk to us about later. your business today, where it comes from, what it looks like. Uh, so as a solo agent, I started out, I did not hire my first admin until I was like 25 transactions. Mm -hmm. I was overwhelmed, didn't get home until 11, 12 at night didn't have a life. I would even leave my children's events. I recommend never to do that because you can never take that back again. That's right. That's not an unreal I would, life. I would literally leave, you know, wrestling and say, hey, I have to go. I have to go show property, listing appointment. And I regret that, but it's all good. Yep. They still love me. <laughs> um, well, because you take so care of them now, probably. I do. <laughs> I, I do. So um, then I hired, you know, I've had several hires, you know, you got to make sure you have the right hire because if you don't have the right hire, yep. you're never going to get to that level. So went through a couple of buyer agents. It actually wasn't until just probably 2016 when I hired Krista Vanderford. I don't know if some of you guys may know her. She used to work for the region mm -hmm. and Seth and Five Doors. And she now works for me and she hired a girl to do the listing portion and I hired a buyer agent. Which that's a good story because she used to sell 
um, insurance, and she was afraid to take that leap. She was making like 60 grand a year, mm -hmm. and she says, I can't do this on commission, but she was so miserable, she would call me and cry. And I was like, girl, you can do this. I said, just trust in our team, trust in God, and take the leap of faith. Yep. She did, and she made 118,000 last year. Wow. So, as a buyer agent, that. full yep. time. That's good. And so, I know one thing about you and your business, you are very persistent, you are very, proactive, uh, borderline maybe aggressive with leads and lead follow-up and, and converting. So tell us what that, what that looks like and, and, and what you think that means when you hear me say that. Um, Groundhog Day. Every day I get up, we have our, our call. Our team does a call every day, Monday through Friday, 845. As soon as I get off that call, then I'm lead jetting until at least 12, 1 o'clock, unless I have appointments. So what does lead genning until 12, 1 o'clock mean for you? I call Home Light Leads because that's where I get all my leads. It's Home Light, Dave Ramsey. I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey. Yep. He's like the financial guru. And um, That's the referral sites. I mentioned that's the that referral. was our number five source of business. That's yes. your number one source of business. It is. I mean, it's, I, mean I know I give them a 25% referral, but well, you've got I no probably get six expense. to eight a day. Yeah. Six to eight a day. Yep. So. And, and how do you get to, because a lot of agents get those leads and use those yes. leads. How do you get to a point to where you get six to eight per day? It's my conversion rate because they keep track of it and score. I mean, I call them, I text them, I send them a video, yep. which I do that. Yeah, I send them a video myself. And I do that for like a week straight yep. until they get tired of hearing me. And it really does work when they text, you know, when you text them and they'll text you back. Yep. Yeah. So what happens is with these referral sites, when you're good at converting, mm -hmm. you better believe they're behind the scenes. There's someone that's in charge of the accounts in your state or in your region saying, we need to move her up to the top. We need to keep sending her the best opportunities because she yeah. is converting these. Yeah. You know, so if you're ever wondering, you know, whether at Homelight, Dave Ramsey, or any of those, that's all they look at. Are you responding quickly to them, yes. meaning are you updating them? In 10 seconds, I call them. And you, how fast do you update Home light. Right away. Yeah. Right away. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Otherwise, it turns yellow, and then you get into yeah. the red. And when you got yellows and reds, They'll kick you. you're done. You're not getting other opportunities. Exactly. Right. And for yeah. those of you that are using those, that type of lead source, you know right. what I'm referring to. So you're a bulldog with those leads, right? So what is that? How do you remember, you know, if it's six to eight a day, how do you remember when to call them and who mm. you called this morning and how, you how do you stay on top? I'm like you, Jeff. I have notes, and I don't get them the command, but... Yep. But I have a notebook, yep. and I just go through them every day. Um, the buyer leads I don't fool with because I send them to Kristen. She sends them to Michelle and Lori, and they yep. take care of them. But, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I just do it every day. I just grab, you, it's, so it's you Groundhog Day every day. Yeah, you carry them with you. They're on I you. do. I've even because. You write them on a notepad, and it's mm -hmm. on you. Yeah. Yep. And I got them all in here, too. My CMAs that I've been doing, they're all in here, and I'm following up with them. Yeah. Yep. So when you say it's Groundhog Day every day, what does that mean? I just get up every day and I do the same thing over and over again for four hours. It's just like call and lead gen. And so what happens when somebody wants an inspection in the morning? I try not to do that. Yeah. Do you break? I get anxiety. If I can't do my lead gen in the day, in the morning, I get stressed out. Okay. And Krista knows that about me. Cause so there are a few exceptions to the rule, but not many. No, not many. Like I try to set my um, inspections because I don't really go on that many because I do mostly, mostly just listings. Ah, so it. it's just, you know, putting out fires or showing up at the settlement table and so up the check. So 98 out of 98 sales of your own last year personally, yes. how many of those were listings? 
All those were, well, probably about, mm, I'd say about 87, maybe. Okay, so 90% I, of them. Seven, yeah, oh yeah. 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 So in order to take, in order to sell 87 listings, uh, you're basically taking eight listings to 10 listings per month, probably. Uh, 16, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it, a lot. I will not rest until I have at least four appointments a week. I have to have four a week. Four a week. If I, yeah, I, I'm down here for how many days and I have four. I have three on uh, Friday and one on Tuesday. No matter how many days you have, you're getting those four in. I, no matter what. Yep. By the way, I'm the same way. Four. My Saturday I have to have filled. four. Oh, my Saturday wolf, it has to be, yeah. Yep. yep. And so where does that come from? I don't know. I'm just a driver. I just, I don't, I don't know. I just, and I don't like to take no for an answer, you know. I mean, if. If they tell me no, I'll be like, well, what does it hurt? You know, interviewing a second, third agent, I mean. Mm -hmm. And I do let them know now that I was number one in the county, so that kind of helps. Yeah, yeah. I hit number one in the county after 21 years. Nice. In my county. Congratulations, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Taylor, were you gonna add something? Yeah, um, so she's mentioning Krista. They, Mary and Krista were in our elite coaching program, so I had the pleasure of working with Krista for quite some time. And I think you would agree, Mary, that part of this Groundhog Day mentality and sticking to lead gen for four hours every single day and getting those four appointments a week, you have a great right hand that allows you to stay to that schedule and is essentially your gatekeeper to make sure that you are you know, doing those things. I know I've reached out to Krista before and said like, hey, I've got a question for Mary, and she says, okay, talk to her afternoon. Right. You know, yes. So you, you, you personally have the accountability and the dedication to hitting that goal, and you found someone that matches that for you that holds you accountable to hitting that. And whether you're a singular agent or you're like Mary and have someone to help you with that, you can find someone to hold you accountable to those same hours and lead generation times. That's very true. And I love my girls and, and that's why like we set goals and our goal was to do 150 units this year and we just made 150 and I'm taking them to Antigua. And then our goal next year is Alaska, 185 units and we're gonna hit it because we're going to Alaska. Yeah, love it. and we all did a, a vision board and my goal is to help them reach their vision because mm -hmm. I just wanna make sure they're happy. And they stay with me forever because I'm retiring in about six, seven years. Yep. Tennessee. So, Any Tennessee people out there? We have a few, I think. Yeah, we okay. do. Um, so, Mary, question. What is one thing that Kate has been working with you on a lot in the last, say, three, four, five, six weeks? Uh, systems. Command and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Planning a CRM. And, and, and the CRM. Yeah. And also helping my buyers. Like, I love the fact that she helped Lori with... I guess categorize them as like 30 days, 60 days, and just not wasting her time and running all over the place, you know? So yeah, yeah Kate's, Kate's incredible. You seem like the type of person, because some people fear or run from accountability, you seem like the type of person that appreciates Oh, I absolutely appreciate it. Like, I don't really feel like I need held accountable. I mean, I do, yeah. because if I go, if it's like say Wednesday, and I don't have any listing appointments, Krista will say, hey girl, you didn't have any appointments yet this week, you better get out there and get them. And I'll be like, because I don't want to let her down. Yeah. I want to make, you know, make sure that she's proud of me. Yep. I know that sounds stupid, but you know, I love her. I mean, I've known her for, I sold her, her she always teases me, I sold her her first house, two bedroom house, and she has three kids, <laughs> but she loves it. But yeah, I'll get out there and I'll get those four for the end of the week. Yeah. Yep. Awesome, love it, thank you. All right, let's shift gears. Taylor, 
So a couple things I know people want to probably hear. You were involved in JGA, our real estate team, uh, back when we were you know, maybe around 250 units or so, and obviously you saw it all the way through to 1,000, and then of course passed the baton to your next leader so you could do more stuff like this. So talk to us first about, everyone wants to know the, the evolution of our customer experience, because when you started, I mean, we had no experience. It was, do you want to buy, do you want to sell, and, and please don't say anything bad about your experience, right? I mean, that was it. So talk to us about the evolution of the customer experience so that way, if I'm an agent in the audience, whether I'm agent on a team, solo, leading a team, I can learn some things about what we went through in that customer experience process. Well, I think it's like any company that starts to grow so fast that they don't have the processes outlined first. And so naturally, you're just trying to get through the day and get those deals closed and not actually thinking about how the client feels. I heard Matt say when he was first talking, you know, his most important goal every single day is making sure that his agents have, you know, feel good and, and feel like they're in the right place. And at the same time, it's not only how your agents feel, it's how your clients feel about their transaction. And I would say when we first started, I think we were doing like 250 deals that year. Mm -hmm. um, and we were providing pretty good customer service then. And every year that we started selling more, I think we went to like three something, then we went to four and then five, and now obviously we're at a thousand. Um, it was really right around, would you agree, like the, the 600 mark, five, 600 mark, that we started to realize that if we don't fix this now, you know, we're not going to continue to see that increase. Mm -hmm. And so in Jeff's true form, he says, I'm sure you'll figure it out. And <laughs> basically said, like, fix it. What's you know, I, I, be <laughs> right. Exactly. What's the problem? Just like he was just telling me to figure out how to get that up on the screen while I'm sitting up here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good example of that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, basically at that point, we looked at our entire process from start to finish, and we looked at what we needed to break down in order to break through. And so that's what we call our breakdown to breakthrough process. And essentially what happened, um, you know, we had at that time, we had an operations team of th three or four people. Um, and I started giving the suggestions of things that I think we needed to do to provide better customer service. And of course that involved, you know, being more involved in the transaction and giving more client touches and essentially doing more work on every single transaction and a little bit more of a, more work, but also more efficient. So you weren't, you know, pouring too much into every single transaction. And the people that we had on our operations team at that time didn't want to do that and didn't want to grow. And so they all turned over their resignation letters to Jeff on the same day. So at that point, he again said, I'm sure you'll figure this one out. Actually, I said first, what'd you do? <laughs> but fortunately, just like you heard Mary having trust in Krista, he had trust in me that you know, we would figure it out, and we did. And so we basically did this whiteboarding experience where we wrote out our entire customer experience from start to finish. We wrote out the non-negotiables of everything that happens in a transaction, and then we wrote out what could we do before that step in the process that um, we can essentially reach out to the client and explain to them what's happening or answer their question before they have it. And that's how the new motto of our customer service came about, which is, what can I do so a client never calls me first? And so I think I heard you say it yesterday, Jeff, when you were on stage, 
And so that kind of became our mantra for everything. You know, if you look at every single transaction, um, you look at every single relationship, you know, what can I do to communicate before this person even has this question? And so when we were doing this breakdown to breakthrough process, we wrote out, again, all of those non-negotiables, and then we drew like another line before that, and we wrote our customer point, or our, our communication point that we were going to do um, to reach out to them and make them feel comfortable. And so then we outlined, I think there was about 72 um, customer touch points that we identified, and basically rewrote the entire process from start to finish. And it really allowed our mindset to then shift from what you said of just get through the transaction and let's hope they don't write you know a bad review about us to we want you to write a, or it's not even we want you to they wanted to write a review on us because they had such a great experience and we saw our past client and um past client referrals spike instantly you know within a, a year or so yeah it didn't show yeah. up right away but 12 to 18 months is when it starts wow we're getting more referral business i can't believe i've been doing this for i think at the time you know eight or nine, 10 years, like I have never had this much repeat and referral business. And by the way, and I'm gonna make a statement here, which is something that I did not believe in because I came from a system where I was taught, sell the home quickly or find them one quickly and that's customer service. Well, hear me loud and clear on this, customer service, I learned this the hard way, customer service is actually a lead generation tool, right? Customer service can be a lead generation lever. I never believed that. I never thought that customer, yes, repeat and referral business. I kind of always had this mentality of over time, some will refer me, some won't. Who cares? I'm going to be putting more people in the funnel. I don't care. Well, then I got into a position to where, you know, your profit margins go down because then you're spending more money to put people in the funnel versus just getting people in the funnel from people you've already done business with. And that's how customer service becomes a lead generation tool, right? And I was actually telling uh, Jeff and Kate, I was backstage, we have operations mastery coaching and I was telling them, we really should have just named it customer service mastery because really your operations are secondary to the customer service, right? You know, you create these processes and these procedures and the goal is and all of that to provide good customer service. And that it, it basically, yeah. I think that we- Well, I think I the reason the why, we, why we use the operations was because you provide good customer service first and then you document it. So that way it becomes a system, right? So that's probably why we went with the operations mastery, but it really is, 60, 70% customer service focused, customer experience focused, and then how do you turn that into a manual that you could hand off to somebody to implement? Well, because then the next thing that you tasked me with after that is, okay, so here's our customer service and you know here's our process from start to finish, but we're doing this at 400 transactions. What does it look like now at 1,000? And so one thing that I'll say that our operations team has done an amazing job of no client of ours feels like they're one in a thousand. You know, they are that they're one of a thousand. I'm sorry. Um, they truthfully still get the same experience as if we were selling 20 homes versus a thousand homes. And it's all about the process and becoming efficient with your time to where it's not actually taking that much work to provide that great customer service. Jeff still sells 100 homes a year, and I am his transaction coordinator for all of those transactions for start to finish. Yes, which by the way, the reason why we do that. So yes, you'd say, well, wait a minute, I thought she passed the baton. She passed the baton on running the operations of our real estate team, which is you know, 50, 60 people or whatever. But she did not let go of my personal customer experience so that for Glover U's benefit, she's constantly aware of what the trends are of today. Kind of like how I stood up here yesterday and said, I mean, I like selling, but I, I could be doing something else. I do it for you, 
we're keeping her involved in the transaction, so same thing. So she can run breakouts and sit up here on stage and talk about, no, 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 the customer expectations of today are not the same, you know, seven, eight years ago when everyone walked out. So can you share a little bit about our, you know, I made the comment about the disruptors in the market yesterday and talked about online reviews actually being a disruptor. So can you talk about how we were able to get to a thousand reviews in just maybe two or three short years? Yeah. We went from like 150 to a thousand within two or three years. When I started, you had 92 um, and they weren't really 92 great ones. So when we started to provide good customer service, we said, okay, we need to start you know, changing how we look online. Around that same time is when we started to do mass media marketing, which I know you'll talk about tomorrow. And so we wanted to make sure that if people were looking us up, that we looked good online. And so we implemented something called the five-star program, which essentially is if a client has a, um, a positive experience with us, we, which we determined during our um, customer service call that we place at the end of the transaction, as long as they rate us a seven or above, um, we include them in our five-star program. And essentially what that is, is they will write one review and copy and paste it on three different platforms. And as long as they do that, we'll give them a $75 gift card to you know a restaurant of their choice. And I would say probably about 50 to 60% actually take us up on the five-star. We'll have the rest will, that will write one review and maybe just don't feel like copying and pasting it in multiple places. Um, but we have a pretty good you know, return, return on investment on for. And the three places that we send them for reviews, it used to be five, that's a mistake, don't do that, because they're less likely to leave you any if you ask them to leave five. So what we learned is we had a higher chance of getting them to write a review if we just sent them to three places instead of five. It's less, less things that they had Which, to Which by the way is for. why we were like five star, five reviews, that makes sense, let's just roll with that, sorry. We consistently change it pretty much every quarter because then what we learned is that we were sending everyone to Zillow, for example, which now in Zillow we have over a thousand reviews. Um, then we looked at, okay, well now Google is lacking. And so when we started the five-star program, again, he st we started with five and our three that we primarily focus on, and like I said, we rotate depending on you know what's popular mm -hmm. um, at that time. We have Facebook, um, Zillow, and Google our three that we currently have them right on. Obviously, Facebook, we love them doing that because it usually will show up on their Facebook feed or if someone else looks up JGA and sees one of their friends, that yep. um, post is going to show up as well. Now, I know you, um, you work with a lot of assistants around the country because I believe when people sign an elite coaching contract, they're either working with you or Taylor Cornfield, and that means you're working with a lot of assistants. Uh, what are two or three things you could share with people in the audience that either are about to make their first administrative hire or have their first administrative hire and are maybe struggling to figure out how to make that work? Like what are two or three struggles you know, early on with that first executive assistant? Actually, that a lot of agents hire the assistant at the wrong time. You know, they think that they're busy and that they need an assistant right now just because they're stressed out. And it's actually not that. It's you have a time management problem, which... Yep. If everyone wants to get up and leave before I talk about time management again, uh, I understand. But our biggest thing, and it's actually one of the first things that we go through with every person that we bring into our elite or operations coaching, is a time efficiency um, metric. And it's anything that an agent on a team, an agent running a large team, I mean, I do this with you all the time. I constantly make him manage his efficiency and I tell him he's not efficient enough and he can do more. Sure. Um, we basically, what we do is we go through and um, you keep track of everything that you do for a seven day period. 
all of those tasks have a dollar sign attributed to it. It's either $1 sign, $2 signs, or $3 signs. Your $1 sign tasks are things like going out on a buyer console, going out on a listing appointment, prospecting. Your $2 signs are things like you know, coffee with you know, a business owner in the neighborhood or something. A $1 sign would be high income producing or high client generating. Yep. $2 would be medium income producing or yeah, medium client generating. Yeah, which means generating. like someone else could do it for you, but it's more beneficial for you to have that contact or that conversation. And then your $3 signs are things like inputting a listing into the MLS, sending a thank you card. So low on the client generating scale. Yeah, and so then at that point what you do is you look at all of these tasks, which you have to document everything. You know, you can't just skip over some stuff. So by the end of the week, you probably should have a couple pages of tasks that you do that week. You do the dollar sign task, and then you see how many of those tasks are your three and two dollar signs. That's when you know when it's pr pretty much about, what would you say, 70, 80 percent of it are three to two dollar signs. The majority, yeah. Yep, that you should be hiring an assistant. Yep. Um, at that time, you know, then we look at, okay, out of those tasks, basically the, you're creating your job description for that person. That's the next question everyone has is, you know, I think I want an assistant, but you know, what exactly are they supposed to be doing? They're grabbing absolutely 100% of all of those $3 tasks, and they're grabbing a majority of the $2 tasks. And then what is left is where you should be spending the majority of your time. So everyone asks, well, how do I train an assistant? The job description. Well, you do this activity and you have their tasks because then you have it all written out for yourself anyways and that becomes their list of to-dos. And you just created a 30, 60, 90. You just created their, their job description. You just created your policy or your procedure manual in more or less terms all by doing this activity. And so I think that to answer your initial question, the mistake that a lot of agents make is they don't force themselves to go through this first to make sure, one, that they can support and sustain an assistant, and then two, have a clear understanding of what that assistant is doing. A lot of people will come to us and say, Taylor, you know, I need an assistant, please hire them. And you know, I have no idea what they're supposed to be doing, but I need someone right now. And it doesn't really work like that. That assistant also needs you to come in and say, this is what I'm expecting of you, so that way you do truthfully have a return on that person's hire. If I was in the audience today and I hired assist, an assistant, uh, is it as easy as just, hey, can I just sign them up for your program and put them through the operations mastery? I mean, kind of, no. <laughs> yeah, yes and no. You, you know, you also have to make that, you have to do something like that activity, right? Because if you're bringing someone in and you don't know and set clear, it's, it's that whole saying of inspect what you expect. If you don't know what you in expect, how can you put any sort of pulse on it and make sure that they're actually improving your business. One of the best things that you did with me from the start is you gave me clear metrics of, I'm not going to micromanage you and ask what you're doing every single day. And at the same time, these are the three things that I expect from you every single week. Mm -hmm. You know, you come up with new lead generation tools. Once a week, I had to report back to him and say, this is what I think that we need to be doing right now that's going to generate more leads for our agents. I also had to go to them and say, this is what I think that we need to do this week that's going to provide better customer service for our clients. And I also had to go to you every single week and say, this is something that I think that we need to implement that's going to make a better life for our agents. And every single week, I had to turn that into you. And I think that that truthfully made a difference in our growth over the years because you gave me the ability to come up with those things myself and also set clear standards. So yes, they could go through Operations Mastery, and I promise they're going to be a rock star assistant for you, only if you also set clear expectations of what you expect from them. Awesome. And you'll be talking more about customer service, building online reviews, and hiring process during your breakout today. And that whole breakdown to breakthrough process.
Awesome, sweet, love it. Spring. Hey, right. hi guys. Good job. I know you've been anxiously waiting down there. So anxious. So, Let's chat. tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, obviously we know when you know how long you've been in the business and so forth. We already did the intros. Uh, one of the things that I admire, similar to to uh, Matt's team, is uh, Sutter and I got to spend the day with your team, and yeah. I have to tell you, um, we were. A little nervous. Two reasons. <laughs> Number one, while we're doing the prep calls, um, she's saying things to us, us such as, "Well, we ha we have a uh, what's the Tony Robbins? We have a Tony Robbins coach and speaker on our team. He's our sales manager. Um, excuse me, you have a Tony Robbins coach and speaker on your team. Like um, this is going to be fun, right? Because we get there, <laughs> like, and then by the way, we get there." And we're, you know, doing our normal setup, hanging all the signs and doing everything we do. And Matt and I are kind of chatting in the back, like, now don't forget, we've got to be on our game today because she's got a Tony Robbins sales manager and we got to shine. The next thing you know, we turn around and everyone is standing up and doing like these alligator claps and going crazy and jumping up and down. And Matt and I are like, oh crap, you're up first, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> what I appreciated about that is... Talk about culture. Man, you yeah. guys got it. So yeah. can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Like, why, why do you guys do all that stuff? I mean, that was like, I've never seen that before, right? In a yeah. real estate team. Yeah. So um, we run a culture of uh, positive accountability, but we also believe, or I believe, that real estate is 80% mindset, 20% skill. Like, we teach a lot of sales skills, yep. but if you mentally do not believe that you can accomplish it, um, or you don't have your why, like you guys literally started with like the money and then, but what's going to propel them to that next level, then they don't necessarily succeed at a high level. So we really focus on the mindset component of it. Mindset. Mm -hmm. So how do you, what have you found with agents that cause you to say, no, 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 we got to nail mindset first and A, and then B, what have you implemented to focus on that? Yeah. So I think everybody can relate to this. Every agent that I at least have met with has come in and said, hey, I want to make six figures. Like, what's your goal in the first year? They're like, I want to make 100 grand. Like, yep. That's the standard ad. Standard line. Right? And the thing about it is, is I'm like, okay, well, who do you need to become in order to make that $100,000? Yep. Like, how are you showing up today? And are you showing up as that person that can make the 100 or 200 or whatever they're wanting to make, right? So we take them through the process of um, when you onboard with us, I bring you through. Nobody can fake energy. So you can fake it maybe in an interview and then whatnot. But once you get into our world, we bring you in and we put you through what's called Hello Week. And Hello Week is technically Hell Week um, <laughs> with an O. But I want to see how you show up. Right? I want to see how you show up. I want to see how you fit in our culture. I want to see, because we do run a different energy yeah. that it's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. Right? Um, and so we put them through Hello Week. And then after Hello Week, which they have standards they need to hit. Um, from, what is, can you tell us what, something, what, what takes place during Hello Week? Yeah. So they have to give us their 200 contacts of their SOI. Um, they need to have called 150 of them. And then they need to call an additional 200 people around a circle prospecting list or a list we give them, and they need to host an open house In all within one. that week. Yep. Yeah, because I want to see that they're going to show up for themselves. You guys, this is not an easy business, as you all know, right? Mm -hmm. And they think that it's going to be. Yep. So once we bring them through that, 
where this mindset um, component back to us is once we take them through Hello Week and we onboard them through the team, we take them, we sit down with them and really establish what it is they want mm -hmm. and why. And that's what we coach on and that mindset. And then we start coaching on who do they have to be in order to accomplish it? How do they need to show up? What trainings do they need? Like a lot of them are going through your Glover U training. I think half my team, maybe even more. Yep. Um, and so we'll just, we, we do something very specific for each one of them yep. um, of what they need in order to accomplish their goal. Love that. And so one thing I did recognize also about your team that I was pretty fascinated with is your agents really know their numbers. I mean, yeah. they know exactly their ratios or conversions on everything. One, why are you so passionate about them and you knowing ratios and numbers? Yep. And two, how do you track all of that? Yeah, so we run positive accountability. Like what you measure, you can, um, whatever you measure, then you can change, right? Like it's anything, this is anything in life. So we use CSU, they're in the back, back there. Um, before CSU, I used spreadsheets. Um, we did the four disciplines of execution and how to wake form and, mm -hmm. and now we use CSU. But um, the thing about them knowing their numbers is that I can coach them based off of where there's, um, there's an issue. So for example, let's say they want to sell a house, but when I pull up their dashboards on their weekly one-on-ones, um, it's like, well, what did you do this week? Or, hey, you had 100 conversations, but we didn't get any appointments. So who are you calling or what are you saying? Mm -hmm. And so we're really in tune with the metrics to understand how we can then um, coach and help them hit their numbers. Um, CSU has been a game changer for our business, um, just in the sense of they then take accountability. Like they're looking at their individual numbers. Uh, they report out in um, person to me once a week in their one-on-ones, and then they report out their numbers in sales meeting once a week, so they have to know them. Yep. And then we have the dashboards all over our office on big TVs like up front, um, and we run a lot of sales contests with them, and so their numbers are in front of them all the time. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think there's uh, something to be said about, it's, it's ratios and tracking numbers, it really, it's sim so one simple word is truth. Right? It's knowing exactly what's going on at any given moment, number one. And then number two, you broadcasting that around is kind of a healthy accountability slash competition. Yes. Right? Because they see that Mary is kicking their butt on yes. buyer lead conversion. And it's like, Mary, what are you doing? I want to I get to that level, right? I want to I be there. So they all know where everyone stands, right? Yeah, well, we, there, in the CSU platform, there's actually a contest. And so you can put contests together. So like this month, our goal is 60 homes sold. Mm -hmm. um, I have 32 agents right now on the team, and a lot of them are new, and then I have some that have been there for a while. Yep. Um, but we're running a contest that's um, men versus women um, <laughs> because we have equal amount, yeah. and it is bananas, you guys. I'll show you my Slack channel. Um, you guys, I think they have my CSU displayed back in the back, and it's really fun to watch right now. So it's a lot of competition. Awesome. And remember, if you're in our, if you're a one-on-one -on -one client or elite client, it's now included. So we'll send you details on that. So I want to talk to you about your internet lead process because you guys do a lot of business off of internet leads. So can you tell us what that looks like? Yeah, so we have a bunch of lead sources, um, anything from all the ones you named with Homelight to Zillow, Dave Ramsey, Google AdWords, Ylopo, you name it. Yep. 
Um, Which why Lopo, by the way, is mostly Facebook, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, for us, internet leads have been a big factor of how we started. Um, my background was, I won't even get in the story, but I started with internet leads when I came into um, what I'd call the real world of real estate. I used to sell resort second homes until the market tanked back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, so internet leads have been a crucial part of us. The key to an internet lead, you guys, is, is that you have to follow up and you have to follow up quickly. So um, statistically, there's 125 million online internet leads sold each year. And on average in the US, there's 5 million homes sold. So if you do the math, that lead is being sold 25 times. Your clients are registering on Zillow, on Homelight, Google AdWords, clicking on an ad on Facebook. Like they might be your SOI, but they are they are getting into everybody's databases. So to what Taylor was saying, you have to love your database and your SOI and have that customer service. And also on the internet lead game, though, um, there's a lot of money to be made. This statistically that of your internet leads, 40% of them never even get called one time. So that lead that's been sold 25 times, statistically 40% never even get one call. So the key to it is, is obviously you get the lead and then you have to be relentless. Like Mary was saying, she calls and calls and calls. Mm -hmm. Like it takes five to 12 uh, attempts to make a sell. And so we track it um, like crazy. Like we use a Boomtown platform. Yep. They come in, you have to call within five minutes. If you don't call within five minutes, it gets transferred out to the Shark Tank. And then um, we have a 14-day lead conversion. So um, within that 14 days, we have to call twice that first day and text. And then for the next 14 days, we're trying to figure out what their situation is if they haven't answered. And we're calling and texting pretty much every day. Yep. Um, because you have to think they registered. They are, there was a need they were looking and they might not meet today. The average internet lead, dependent upon where it's at in the top of the funnel or a bottom of the funnel, which meaning like a Zillow lead is going to be a bottom of the funnel because they actually reached out about a specific property. A top of the funnel lead is gonna be more like a Google AdWord lead that um, was just curious and maybe a forced registration. The top of the funnel lead usually takes six to 18 months to convert. So you're going to have to follow up consistently and just make sure that you have um, consistent, um, they're on e-alerts, you have to-dos, and that you're creating value. So when it is time that they want to use you. Yeah, we were having a conversation this morning during Coffee with Coaches about uh, a video that I put out called The Cost of a Cheap Lead. It was actually slightly controversial because I talked about how so many agents are enamored with this idea of two and three dollar leads and four dollar oh, leads and horrible. you don't even consider yeah. the time it takes to convert. Yeah. If you actually calculate the time it takes to convert, on this video you could Google it, it's just called Jeff Glover cost of a cheap lead. What I calculate is that spending $200 for a Zillow lead is actually more profitable. I'm not endorsing, I'm just using that as an example. Oh. It's actually more profitable than spending three or $4 on a Facebook lead because of how much time you have to spend nurturing yep. this Facebook lead to do anything with you, which is opportunity cost because that's time that you could be spent doing other things. Well, and I love that you hit on that because I feel like agents start, they want that shiny object of all these leads coming through, yep. but having to actually scrub them and convert them, exactly what you said. Whereas like Mary was saying, hey, yeah, I have to pay a 25% referral fee, but they're good quality leads and I'll take it all day long, right? right? 
Um, you have to have you have to have a mixture, especially when you have a large team. Like we have to have a lot of different leads. But if like agent wise, I tell my agents all the time, I'm like, choose your four legs of your stool. So choose what you're going to focus on that you're going to be good at, the four different lead sources, and then rock it, because there's so many of them out there, yep. right? Yep. Last thing I want to ask you about, you use a, a script, the cash offer script. Can you share mm -hmm. that with us? Yeah, so listings, I think you're all in the same boat. They're, um, they're non-existent. <laughs> yeah, and they're actually gold. So the crazy thing, though, like my market, Jeff, um, yes, they're non-existent. It's because they're selling so quickly. Yeah. That's true. So the truth of it is, is actually they do exist. Yep. It's that we want to be the agent that has the listing. Yep. So all of my lead generation is changing to listing based right now, because if I can get the listings, then the numbers that we want to hit are going to happen. So um, a couple of things that we've done is we've hired callers. Um, I don't remember the gentleman's name yesterday, but he talked about he uses PropStream. So we use PropStream as well, Remine. We pull likely to sell data, um, homes that um, are absentee owners, so maybe they got a lot of equity. Yep. But we have virtual assistants calling um, that are just saying, hey, I have a, um, I work for a local home buyer. Um, would you be interested in selling your home for cash? That's it. Um, just because that's legally what we can do in our state that is not, hey, do you want to list your home? Right? And then when they say yes, we'd be interested, then um, we have it transferred over to one of our investment. I actually am doing it to, if the numbers make sense, I will buy the home. But if not, we'll turn it over to a listing lead. Yep. Love that. And that's how essentially, it's not, I, would, I don't use, I'm going to use the term workaround, but it's not a workaround. It's, it's legit. If you're calling to purchase, then it's, it's not considered a real estate service, right? So they don't have to be licensed, essentially. Correct. And I will buy the home if, if, if the numbers make sense. If not, if it makes more sense for them, for us to list the home, then we can list the home. Awesome. Yep. Well, I think um, we're going to talk more about it. If you're open to it, I'd like to invite you to, you'll be the breakout session yeah. with me. Let's do uh, it. So we'll talk more about what you've shared and everyone else. Awesome stuff. Thank you for your time. And you guys are going to be around the rest of the day and uh, VIP party tonight for our VIP clients or those that are ending up joining something today. And um, great stuff. Nice job, guys. Thank you for taking your time to join Jeff today on the Live Unreal with Glover You podcast. To get started on having an unreal business, take the real estate self-assessment. After you complete the assessment, a member of Glover You will get on a call with you to create an action plan to improve your score. Go to www.gloveru.com self. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Search for Live Unreal with Glover You on iTunes, Podbean, or Spotify, and subscribe today. Until next time.